0: Here at roosevelt i am so incredibly challenged i am so deeply satisfied i'm doing exactly what i want to be doing i'm where i'm supposed to be at this point in my life um just do what you want to do i mean i mean, I knew for myself there was no way i was ever going to work in a cubicle i wouldn't be able to handle that i'm a people person um so just making sure that you are Very deliberate in how you set up your resume and your experiences so that you can ultimately get to to where you're trying to go. 205
1: Vibe Podcasts. I'm Earl Dotson Jr., and I am excited and very grateful to be uh, speaking with our next guest. Um, Mr. Morgan Gallagher is the principal at Roosevelt, and uh, as always, I'm appreciative that. He's taking the time today to spend some time uh, speaking with me, and um, want to say thank you. How you doing, sir?
0: I'm great. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it.
1: I, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. I know you're, you're busy, got things going on here, so uh, I'm grateful for that. You know, one of the one of the ways that that in, that I, that I got interested right away and wanted to talk to you, I'll, I'll never forget that moment. I was at a board meeting, and um, you were addressing the board. And you started talking about your background, a little bit about where you came from and some of your experiences. And I'll never forget a board member saying, hey, we need to get him on a podcast. Let's let's learn more about who he is. And and so um, that was kind of how we got started. So that's kind of where I want to start is um, just talk about kind of how you got here and, and some things that stick out in your path.
0: Sure. In your background, so I'm currently in my fourth year as principal here at Roosevelt, and prior to that, I was in Chicago public schools for 14 years. Um, first 10 years as a teacher, and I was—I I think I've really dedicated my career towards trying to work with. Um, those students that face the greatest adversity or inequities in their educational careers and really trying to help students overco- overcome that adversity and inequity so it started off in bilingual special education um in little village which if you're familiar with that neighborhood in chicago at 26 and kedzie it it doesn't seem like you're in chicago or america it seems like you're right in the heart of mexico there it's a beautiful vibrant culture um, after six years there, I, I wanted a different challenge and um, moved on to a high school setting in West Chicago in the North Lawndale neighborhood. And uh, at the same time, I was working towards my law degree part-time evening and was able to transition away from teaching bilingual special education towards teaching law as a history elective and just loved that opportunity and from there, um, Decided I didn't want to be a lawyer, and decided instead I would go into admin in education.
1: So the the neighborhood and the the, the area you were in, you're talking about little village. Did you do you speak other, language, uh, other languages?
0: Sí, hablo español, pero he perdido casi todo porque nunca tengo oportunidades para practicarlo. Gracias,
1: señor. Um, uh, so that how did how did being so being bilingual. Um, that Was that something you d- decided to do? Uh, how did that come about to, to want to learn to speak another language?
0: Uh, I When I was in college, I studied abroad in Spain, in Madrid. And so getting a major in Spanish just kind of fell into my lap from that opportunity. Speaking another language is definitely not something that comes naturally to me. Um, so I, I would say I probably more so learned my Spanish, not from my courses that I took when I was in Spain, but from my social life. <laughs>
1: How long did you spend in Spain? Just a year. A year.
0: What, what, what's
1: that like? What was that experience like? What, is there, what, what, what was unique about Spain? Uh, what was something that you just, uh, that stands out that you remember?
0: Uh, uh, the food, number one. I mean, the food was just absolutely excellent. Uh, I felt like I ate like a king every single day but there is a really there's a great strong sense of community there when I was there I was living in a dormitory in downtown Spain that had exchange students like myself from all over the country and even though we had such a great diversity of students in the dorm we were very tight-knit at the same time so really opened up my eyes to you know being able to step into other people's shoes who you know don't necessarily just come from the same background as myself, but completely different backgrounds and experiences. How do you think
1: your time that you spent in Chicago, working in the, in the Chicago public school system, um, how, how do you think that prepared you for the work that you're doing now?
0: Really, I would say the population of students that we serve is no different than the population that I was serving when I was in Chicago public schools. Um, And I I would not want to, um, by any means, knock my former district, but um, when I do hear rumblings or maybe some people within Rockford Public Schools to say like, well, I don't know, you know, maybe they're a little bit disgruntled about this or that, or they feel like maybe there's, you know, this bureaucracy of working in a larger district. Um, I'm always real quick to let them know that the pastures are much greener here than my previous experience. I, I, I love the opportunities that are provided to me as a principal here in Rockford Public Schools.
1: So let's talk about that. You know, um, Roosevelt, um, I, I am not ashamed to say that I, I am a Roosevelt graduate myself. And um, I remember uh, my good friend Angela Heit who also used to be a principal here. She used to talk about the students here. Um, it's a unique path. Um, what what talk about that experience what's unique about Roosevelt and the students here
0: well I would say one I, I really appreciate this opportunity to be on the vibe to first off dispel that notion you know there's this um, there's this knee-jerk reaction often in the community that because we are Roosevelt and we are you know quote unquote the alternative school that we are a uh, a credit mill or a watered down education for bad students and that is absolutely not the case and i could provide you with a dozen different metrics that prove otherwise Uh, i think what makes roosevelt unique is that we are a very adaptive program where we really tailor the education to each individual's needs because and we're able to do that because we are a competency based program so it really is a self-paced program in terms of students earning their credits.
1: You know that that's um that's interesting. You know the the you know talking about dispelling the myths and rumors about Roosevelt. Um, one of the things I know about our graduation rate in the Rockford Public Schools is that our five-year graduation rate uh, is better than the four-year graduation rate. That's just kind of way our system is built. Um, is there when students need a little extra time, right? Um, how is that? Does that delay anything? Does that change uh, their courses? I mean, what, what do you find when you when students leave here and come back? Um, how how does that you know measure out? Kind of the the, the typical four year path versus those who may need a little bit longer time.
0: I think the students who require that additional time or that extra year. Um, I don't think it's a detriment to them at all. If anything, I think it's a benefit because it allows them to better know themselves and map out their trajectory of where they wanna go. Again, these are students that um, have many at-risk factors or you know different traumas that have impacted their ability to be successful in school. And by coming to our program and really having a tailored education Um, with individuals staff members that genuinely care about our students it really allows them to to have a concrete plan moving forward from when they leave there and I don't think that's always the case if you let me digress for a minute please um you know with with our students that come here so many of them have not had success in their educational career and then they get here and they start to experience that success and it just snowballs for so many of our students that they you know they really experience success for the first time but problem with that is that they have their blinders on all the many of our students when they're coming to us in years past they're just solely focused on walking across that stage and getting the diploma not thinking about what that next step is there's been so many impediments to just getting that diploma that's all they're focused on and so what we've tasked ourselves with here at Roosevelt is making sure that you know, we, that students leave Roosevelt, not just with that diploma, but with a solid post-secondary plan. Because at the end of the day, you know, our graduation rate is blown up. It's grown by over 40% in the last four years. Number of credits earned by students is blown up. We've got record high attendance. We don't have discipline issues pretty much at all, occasional cell phone violation. Um, and our test scores are number one in the state when you compare us apples to apples with other programs like Roosevelt. We're number one out of 79 programs. That all sounds great, and we could easily, you know, rest on our laurels, pat ourselves on the proverbial back, and say, look at how many more graduates we have, but if we're being realistic at the end of the day, if all we're doing is ensuring our students get a high school diploma Statistically speaking, all we're doing is ensuring that our our students are less poor. But if that's all they got is that diploma, again, statistically, it just means they're going to be less poor. So what can we do to genuinely close that achievement gap? And so towards that end, this year we have introduced 18 total RVC courses that are available for free here at Roosevelt, taught by Roosevelt teachers to our students. And our hope is that we have in the year—not this year's graduating class, but in the graduating class of 2021—we want students that are graduating not just as high school graduates, but they are graduating Roosevelt as sophomores at Rock Valley College.
1: Uh, you know I, I, that's that's awesome, and I and I find that fascinating in the sense that um, I'm curious when you when you talk about um, the tailor-made kind of. Teaching and learning, uh, that, that kind of, you know, that, that relationship between the, the, the teachers here and the student here. Um, you know, how does that differ much when you talk about teaching and learning? And, and what does that look like in a typical kind of high school classroom versus those who have much, uh, you know, a different way of learning and, and getting the information? Um, you know, does that, should that just be, you know, should all students have that opportunity? I'm just curious what you think about if If it's working so well, um, you know, should we do more of that? Should more of our kids have access and an opportunity to, you know, learn in that way?
0: Honestly, I believe that because we have, we're a smaller high school than the traditional high school, that we really hit that sweet spot in terms of being able to have those relationships with the students and being able to tailor, I think when you try and scale up to a larger high school, I'm not sure if it's if it's actually feasible. Um, but you know, I think one benefit that we really have besides besides the education students are receiving in the classroom that that traditional you know content and skills say in English like 10-1 or 10-2 that they're getting. One thing that we really emphasize at Roosevelt is project based learning and really giving the students the opportunity to own their education. So allowing the students, you know, what is a problem that you have identified in your community or your own life? Um, How does that relate to the content or the skills that you're learning in any given class? How can you apply that content and skills to the problem that you've identified and come up with a solution that you could then present.
1: So, so just shifting gears slightly, you know, people who listen to uh, the the Two or podcast, um, uh, you know, they always learn something about the the individual um, who we're speaking with. Um, what's something that you could you could share? You know, you've you've had a lots of di- you know very unique experiences, and and um, you've traveled and you, you've been in different places what's one of those life lessons that you've learned that uh, you could pass on as as just some good solid advice for people who are either you know pursuing a career in education or just um just something advice people could uh, every day could use
0: dang Earl, (laughs) that's tough Uh, i don't know if i'm qualified to provide that that level of advice um (laughs) no i would just say you know like like I had mentioned earlier, I was on a path where I was going to become a, a lawyer. And for the longest in my life, I thought that was the final destination for me. And I guess as I went through the law program, got my law degree, I realized that, you know, I thought I was going to be a public defender or state's attorney's office. And I didn't like the adversarial nature of our legal system, how it's a zero sum game. And I just pictured myself sitting on the opposite side of one of my students someday when i was in court and that just didn't sit well with me i wanted to be in a situation that was more where i could create win-win situations um and i think that's possible being uh, a high school principal so i i would just say you know just getting cheesy you know follow your heart i being the principal here at roosevelt i am so incredibly challenged i am so deeply satisfied I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. I'm where I'm supposed to be at this point in my life. Um, Do what you want to do. I mean, I I knew for myself, there was no way I was ever going to work in a cubicle. I wouldn't be able to handle that. I'm a people person. Um, So just making sure that you are... Very deliberate in how you set up your resume and your experiences, so that you can ultimately get to to where you're trying to go.
1: So you you said something that I I I find it, I love that that, hey look I am where I'm supposed to be, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, you, you know you have you have options. Um, and you talked about your legal background, but you've chosen to stay and set up shop right here. And um, yeah, you know, so I, I guess I'm just curious, like what, how do you know that? Like, like, how do you know that this is what where, what you should be doing and where you should be? Because
0: it, it feels good. It feels good. I'm not, you know, I, being, don't get me wrong. Being a high school principal is definitely a stressful job. And there are some nights where I lose sleep. But generally, like, I wake up and I'm pumped. Like, I, I you know, I, I try and force myself to listen to NPR on the way to work <laughs> just so that I stay informed. <laughs> But more often than not, I'm, I'm rocking out on the way to work because I'm pumped up, ready to get going.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and so that's a, that's a great segue. Um, again, you know, when you talk about, I don't think people realize sometimes, just, you know, people just think, oh, you know, a principal. But, you know, the life of a principal, particularly, you know, at the principals, that the ones that I know and have come in contact with, truly, genuinely care about their students and their work. What does what a, a typical day look like for, for, you, for you? What does that look like?
0: I, I'm very blessed now that I'm in my fourth year. I feel that um, we are very well situated as a program in terms of what we're doing to serve our students. So uh, I feel that I've, a lot of the heavy lifting that I've had to do for us to, to get to our vision for how we're gonna serve our students, a lot of that is already done. And that, that really allows me to, to develop relationships with the students and the staff. So uh, like today, as an example, we, we have what we call winter workshops because we're a competency-based program. We're not on the same final schedules as the other schools. And instead, students are engaged in work-based learning experiences uh, in their respective pathways. And that means today I get to dress down and play with the compound miter saw to work with some of our manufacturing students to build furniture that's going to go in the atrium outside of our library. So being able to have those opportunities to, to get into the thick of it, to get in the weeds with the, the students and the teachers, it's awesome. Is
1: that, is that the part you love the most? Uh, the, the, the relational aspect of the work and doing all the different, you, you know, the, the different types of things that you are do. 100%. That that's, that's what you love most about the job. You know, let me ask you about you, you. When we, we spoke earlier about um, students and all students, you know, I, I can imagine most students, you know, uh, or lots of students have, have, you know, issues that they deal with in their family lives and at home. Um, you know, what, how critical is that role? I mean, I, I think when we talk about education, um, you know, we don't often talk about families. Um, how, how critical is kind of the family life, family structure and, uh, and educating kids and, um, how big of a barrier is that, right? Because we hear that a lot now in education about the social emotional needs of, of students, uh, kids who are trauma informed. How does an educator uh, acknowledge that but, at the, but but again again, at the same time say, hey, there, you still have a future and you still need to learn and, and know what you need to know.
0: Right. So, you know, when I mentioned earlier, there's kind of that knee-jerk reaction that some in the community may still have that, you know, Roosevelt students are maybe the bad kids, which is absolutely not the case. Um, I think a lot of people think that the reason that students are here is because of internal factors owned by the students, where it's the student's fault, in, in a sense as to why they got here and they don't recognize just the sheer amount of external barriers that our students face um, that result in them needing this kind of differentiation in their education. And I I say that because you look at our our five essentials results and out of the 100 plus indicators on there, the one where we score the lowest as students report is parent support at home. I, I think the the lack of parent support for some of our students, not all of them by any means, we have some fantastic parents that are very involved here, but for a great number of our students, they're, they're kind of on their own in terms of attaining their high school diploma. And that being the case, you know, we we try and instill a sense of family here at Roosevelt. And I, w- I would say the greatest culture shock for myself when I first came into Roosevelt is that every staff member every teacher everybody in this building is on a first name basis with the students so even with myself i am not mr gallagher or principal gallagher i am simply morgan with the students and i think that really represents our ethos that you know treat our students like adults and they will respond in kind and i i think that relationship where we respect our students as adults really helps them to again see past the diploma, understand themselves as adults and where they're going from here. Um,
1: thank you for that. Um, so one of the things that I know um, when we talk about, and again, that I know that is, that I, I really think is fascinating and, and, and about Roosevelt, um, having gone here, is this idea, you mentioned it earlier, this idea of kind of this personalized learning, if you will, kind of. Kind of meeting students where they are and kind of having these own individual plans. And I know there are other schools who try some versions of that. You know, as you look at the public educational system and some would argue that it's still somewhat antiquated, if you will, if you, if you could dream big, if there was one thing that you could change um, about the way we teach students or the way students learn, if you had your magic wand, if there's one thing you could say, you know what, let's, let's, we need to do this differently to get better results, what, what would that be?
0: I've had many colleagues who have become familiar with Roosevelt's program compare us to a Montessori school. And I really think that approach to education is, is really the one that most benefits students. I mean, you look at our, yeah, you say how our educational system is archaic. You know, for 100 plus years now, we just rubber stamp our students based off of their this arbitrary chronological age that they have. And that's how we lump all of our students together, assuming that that's the best measure for, for categorizing and putting our students together. That doesn't make any sense. I think what we need to do is make sure that we provide an environment and the resources for our students. To create their own educational experiences to be able to explore their own interest. I, I,
1: I and I, I just don't want to just just to I just don't want to lose this because I think, you know, also having um, you know graduated from Rock Valley and and, and done that, um, I think that's awesome, Morgan. That you are that that's something that was not here that you really have put an emphasis on. Is this okay? Great, you graduated. Now what? Um, why why is that so critical? Um, that and and how how do you how do you how does that manifest itself here? Do all students get exposed to this idea of hey, you know it's great you're here, but you know we want you to go further and do more. Um, obviously, you have to get everyone to buy into that, but what does that look like?
0: Right. So I'm going to give you an example. If um Steve Dubner is an economist out of the University of Chicago. Many people are probably familiar with his work, Freakonomics. His most recent book that he wrote is Think Like a Freak. And in that, he gives the anecdote of Takiro Kobayashi. And Kobayashi is a gentleman who years ago um, completely destroyed the world record in the Nathan's Coney Island annual hot dog eating contest. And so... The record before Kobayashi entered that contest was 27 and like one quarter hot dogs eaten in 12 minutes. Kobayashi in his first year doubled that record and ate over 50 hot dogs. And so when these economists interviewed him and they asked how in the world did you double that record and he said, well, I ignored that record because I didn't think it was a legitimate record. And when they dug a little bit deeper, You know, he explained that the approach that anybody in the past had been using, they were incorrectly identifying what the problem was. And so to them, the idea was, how can I eat the most hot dogs in 12 minutes? Kobayashi tweaked that question a little bit and he said, how can I eat one hot dog faster? And so by tweaking the problem a little bit, you know, he realized separate the hot dog from the bun. I'll smush the bun up, stick it in the water. It'll go down faster that way. and so ultimately, what the economists derived from that conversation with him is that the way that you define your problem necessarily limits your possible successes, right? And so when you apply that to education, you you know, we're so concerned about our graduation rate, right? It is the number one metric that we look at, and that's not just Rockford Public Schools. You look at the Illinois State Board of Education and the report cards that come out for the high schools every year, 50% of a score on that report card is the graduation rate. And so necessarily, if that's 50% of the weight for how we're going to be scored, that's where we put a great deal of our emphasis. But that's not necessarily how we should define the problem because as I alluded to earlier, if you're only worried about creating high school graduates and that's all you're concerned with, then again, statistically speaking, all you're ensuring is that students are less poor than if they didn't have their diploma. So how are we really going to close that achievement gap, make sure that our students do have that post-secondary success? We redefine the problem here at Roosevelt and we'd say, how can we ensure not only that we have high school graduates, but that students have a legit, concrete post-secondary plan for you know, getting employment with growth potential for truly discovering and pursuing his or her full potential. And so when we talk about, you know, not only are we going to have our students who didn't think they were going to graduate high school, you know, let alone are they going to be able to graduate, but they're potentially going to be able to graduate as sophomores at Rock Valley, the likelihood of them continuing on for that additional year at Rock Valley and getting their associates that's how we bridge that gap.
1: Wow. That, that, that was awesome. You know, I just want to say for the listener, for those of you listening, um, if you hear this that thumping sound, that's Morgan tapping the table. <laughs> because, because that is how passionate he is. And he is putting emphasis on his words, so I just wanted to add that in case you hear that in the podcast and so even though I've told him to knock it off he keeps doing it but that's okay because that's just it's who he is and he's serious about what he's saying so just wanted to throw that in there thanks <laughs> so Morgan I know you talk about this just as we as we wind down here you know we talk about uh, I know I know we've talked about lots of the good things that are happening here I know you love what you do. Um, but as we sit here and we, you know, we look out and, and we're, we look where we're Roosevelt, this neighborhood and the city of Rockford and our school district. Um, what are some of the challenges though, that you that you face or that we face as a city or a school district that you like to point out that um, are, I guess are the most prevalent um, in, in achieving, you know, in, in the results that we want to achieve? What, what are some of the challenges that just kind of get in the way? Sometimes
0: Challenges are for chumps. <laughs> um, I really, I I, don't, I just don't feel that's how I approach the work here. Okay. I mean, you know, I'd already mentioned how I'm so happy to be here at Roosevelt. But again, with Rockford Public Schools, because when I was in Chicago Public Schools, there's 110 plus high schools in Chicago. Not a single one of them was anywhere near as innovative or tailored to students' needs as Roosevelt. Like, I I just, I've never known a school like Roosevelt to exist elsewhere. So that was really what drew me to here. Um, We have have a great deal of community support here at Roosevelt. We have multiple partners who are coming in and connecting our students with awesome work-based learning experiences, making their education relevant to what they want to do with their lives when they leave here. Um, and yes, our, our students, you know, they face many barriers. Uh, but again, the, the resiliency exhibited by our students is astounding. It's, it's greater than I could ever imagine myself actually having if I had to face the same barriers as some of our students. Um, and I just think what I see in this generation of students is, especially here at Roosevelt our our students really they bring each other up they don't tear each other down and just the the level of tolerance that our students have for each students you know for the diversity that we have here is is incredible so I mean when I look at the resiliency of our students when I see how tolerant they are of each other and how how well-adapted they are to their peers here at Roosevelt. I don't really have any concerns for them going forward. As long as, you know, we set the stage for them, I, I think they're going to be good. I, I, I see a lot of promise in our students.
1: I want to ask you about teaching teachers. You've you've had a, an array of uh, Golden Apple win, winners, teachers who are, have, have been recognized for their outstanding work. Um, so you have a, you have a great great group of teachers here um i want to ask you about the teaching profession right we know there is a nationwide shortage of teachers right everyone's looking to find those good teachers and um what's what why why aren't why aren't more people coming into the teaching profession what's what do you think what's happened um with you know how we view teaching teachers in the profession and how do we is there a way to fix that how do we Get more folks inspired and um, motivated to, 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 be, to become teachers.
0: Sure. So I truly believe that teaching is still the most noble of all professions. Um, but I think as a collective, society doesn't give that recognition to teachers anymore. And, you know, that's the reasons behind that are very layered. I, I think to my own experience and my goofy uncle Jerry, who never had kids, but he's a taxpayer and he got an education. So he knows everything about education, <laughs> right? Um, uh, I think I've
1: met him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: So I, I think part of the problem is that, you know, everybody's an expert when it comes to education without fully understanding, you know, just how incredibly incredibly complex providing an education has become today um you know how how do we fix it i i don't know i mean i how i i know what i can do as a principal you know it's it's not any principal is going to give you the platitude that you know you've got the best staff in the world but sorry we actually do here at roosevelt we we have Damn good staff here at Roosevelt. Everybody who's here is just like I say, I'm I'm meant to be here. This is where I'm supposed to be. I could say that about every single teacher here at Roosevelt. You know, this is this is their profession. This is where they want to be with their lives. And so it's it's gratitude, I guess, on my part. Awesome.
1: Morgan, thank you so much, man. I really, really appreciate your time. You know we have to end though. Yep. I gotta I gotta I gotta ask you some of those fun questions. So you said earlier that uh, you know, you try to listen to NPR when you can, but most of the time you are jamming right. on your way to work. So what is Morgan Gallagher listening to uh on his way to work? What you jamming to?
0: Uh well if I'm thinking I actually wrote down a list thinking what we're all the most uh i knew you were going to ask this question <laughs> having listened to like other podcasts in the past so i'm thinking of any of the most recent live shows or concerts that i've been to so a bunch of band i saw you know when willie nelson was at coronado when wilco was at coronado definitely went to those shows um last summer or maybe the summer before going to music festivals or concerts in chicago um saw lcd sound system tame impala i love them uh saw stereo lab was able to see tribe run the jewels chance the rapper um so really my my tastes go all over the place uh i just like music that gets me pumped up
1: love it very eclectic taste it's awesome Thank you for sharing that list, and thank you for preparing for that. So Let me see if you prepare for this one. So, if you're if you're not listening to music, you're not listening to radio. If you do watch a movie, or if you're watching anything on TV, um, what what is there a show? Is there a favorite movie? Is there something that stands out? Is there a type of genre that you are, uh, that you like? What would you say that is?
0: Shoot uh currently i am watching on netflix uh messiah okay and you know usually i just like to if i'm going to be watching tv or like you know burning through a season of something on netflix Mm -hmm. i I usually just you know go with some pop culture stuff like superhero stuff or something like that but uh i'm really enjoying messiah because it's got a a lot of profound statements being made throughout it um
1: so thank you for that. that's awesome no i I think when people listen to this they they, it's always they almost serve as recommendations when 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 people give these up uh and then lastly uh it's morgan's birthday or just uh, you're celebrating something um where where you are you going to a restaurant or is there a type of food that that's just like your go-to meal like this is i love this
0: yeah, so I just turned forty uh, two months ago, and my wife took me into Chicago. And you know, I had mentioned I lived in Spain, so she took me out to Cafe Iberico, which is the most legit Spanish tapas place you can go to in the Midwest. Uh, so went nuts there and probably ordered like twenty different dishes. <laughs> um, but I'm also a sucker for Chinese food. I lived in China for a while when I was young too, so i um, crazy about that. But honestly, I'll eat anything except yellow mustard. Awesome.
1: Morgan Gallagher, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you for what you do.
0: Yeah, thank you, Earl.
1: Thank you for listening to the 205 Vibe Podcast. Subscribe to the 205 Vibe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening now. Check out the blog, videos, and news on rps205.com slash 205 Vibe.